Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we embrace and explore what it means to live out the feminine genius in our everyday, ordinary lives as Catholic women. I'm Chloe Langer, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Emily Frazee, and we are talking about how to discern staying at home with your kids, being a stay-at-home mom in a world that values productivity, and what self-care looks like when you're at home with littles. I loved getting to know Emily in this conversation, and it was so much fun to sit down and talk to her about this topic of being a stay-at-home mom. I cannot wait to share her story, her honesty, and her humor with you in today's episode. Emily also wrote a letter for the brand new Letters to Women book coming out with Tan Books in early 2021, and so you're going to want to check out today's show notes for more information about the launch of the new Letters to Women book and how you can stay in the loop about news like the cover reveal and pre-order links. If you are discerning to stay home with your kids or you're looking for encouragement from a woman who is in the trenches alongside there with you, sister, this letter is for you. We're welcoming to the podcast, Emily Frazee. She is a caging cradle Catholic living in Virginia with her Wisconsin husband and their two adorable toddlers. She blogs over at Total Wine. Emily, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good to have you here. Hey, Chloe. Thanks so much for having me on. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about all things stay-at-home motherhood, how to discern whether or not to stay home with your kids, what it's like to stay at home in a world that values productivity and says that that's where our worth is, and what it's like to take care of yourself when you're at home with your littles. But before we dive in, Emily, can you tell us about your story as a Catholic woman? Yeah, so I was born and raised a Catholic in South Louisiana. Um, actually, whenever uh, I was growing up, I had the honor of having missionaries of charity teach me the catechism. Um, they were stationed at one of the churches in our diocese. And so, um, yeah, Sister Tessalina prepared me for my first communion, and she was fantastic. And I actually fell away from the faith for a little while in college for, like, the laziest reasons ever. Um, <laughs> I literally one day just like told Jesus, I was like, look, I don't have time to go to church if you want me to be a good student. I I mean, you know, I I could hear his face palm in, in retrospect. But, <laughs> you know, of course, I realized that, you know, life without Jesus sort of sucks and uh, kind of hit, like, I guess my version of rock bottom and came back. I kind of owe my journey back, ironically, to Ayn Rand, Bishop Bolton Sheen, and a Baptist friend of mine. So it took an atheist, a Baptist, and a bishop to uh, <laughs> make me a better Catholic. What a combo. It's <laughs> a power team right there. <laughs> right, right. I love it. So I first got to know you through your blog, where Total Wine, where you talk about what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom. And you have this phenomenal series about t- talking back to the points that a lot of people raise about stay-at-home motherhood. And so we're going to be diving mm-hmm. deeper into those points in today's conversation. But could you, to set the scene, can you describe what that discernment process looked like for you and your family when you guys were discerning whether you should stay at home with the kids? Yeah, so it. Uh, I had an awful day at work and I just walked in and told my husband, all right, buddy, we're recrunching the numbers and I'm staying home. Uh, <laughs> no, it, no, in all serious though, no, it, I, I lost my peace. So that was kind of the biggest indicator to me. So what happened was when I returned to work after I had about a two-month maternity leave, roughly speaking, it was about 10 weeks. Um, And when I went back, I was there for about four months, and I loved my job. You know, my boss was amazing. 
he was so supportive of me, you know, and what I needed to do to take care of my new little baby girl. Um, he let me take her into work a couple days a week, work from home a couple days a week. And it was just more than I could handle because inevitably, you know, my boss's needs and my baby's needs were always coinciding. You know, there would be lulls and, you know, it's like, well, I could do all this work because she's sleeping or, you know, whatever. But then, you know, it, it always hit at the same time. And I started becoming just kind of unusually snippy and started harboring just a lot of anger about tasks that my boss would ask me that hadn't really faced me before having a baby. And I realized that, you know, that was just not a good sign. So after a particularly difficult day where I literally almost snapped at my boss, who was like a father figure to me, you know, I I was like, okay, this this is not working for me. You know, I have to like, I mean, I have to be, we have to be practical about it. So that's why I joked, you know, I had told my husband, like, we're recrunching the numbers. And of course, once we factored in childcare, it was like, yeah, no, that's pretty much what my paycheck is going to go to. So as much as I loved my job, you know, I just, I knew that it was time for me to leave and be home and invest in my baby. And so that's what I did. That's so good. Yeah. I love how you're speaking into this fact that there, there wasn't peace in staying but yeah. there was peace yeah. in, in staying at home. That's really beautiful. I think that's such a big factor when it comes to discernment to be to keep an eye out for is, is there peace here in this decision? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So we live in America and I think especially here, there's kind of a workaholic culture that, at least from my experience as a woman, speaks into this idea that your worth is is your productivity or what you're producing for the world. When you discern to stay at home, how did you answer questions like, well, or did you have questions like this? And, and how did you answer them? Things like, well, aren't you just wasting your degree or the worst? <laughs> what are you even doing during the day? And how, how did you tackle those? Right. <laughs> right. No, I, and I love these questions because it's like, it's such an opportunity, you know, it's like, oh, let me tell you. Um, but, you know, this was actually that blog series that you mentioned. This was actually, these were two of the questions that um, my friend Victoria and I, tackled and Victoria she I love where she comes from because she, she had a degree in psychology which I can't think of any better degree you know to go into stay-at-home motherhood with than that so she had some amazing insights and I loved I loved working with her but I love how you kind of phrase it like we idolize productivity um and you know I was an architecture major and, and let me tell you there is a lot of ideological overlap between designing a building and designing your family life but yeah I mean we totally idolize productivity and it reminds me so much of this phrase that was coined by an early 20th century architect his name is Le Corbusier just for a little backstory on Le Corbusier that was not the name his mother gave him he gave he renamed himself that later in life and it literally means the raven so if that gives you an idea of the character that we're talking about, but he wanted to create homes that he said were, quote, machines for living. I mean, like what a depressing image, you know, like not a place of warmth and comfort and safety, like no, a machine for output. So, you know, I mean, like that was, that was his concept of the home. Um, and like I said, that was, you know, early, early 20th century kind of modernist thought and, of course, you know, I'm kind of bucking that idea. I'm not producing anything immediately. I'm shaping and I'm forming, hopefully, decent human beings, you know, who don't make this world any more crazy than it already is, right? Like, <laughs> uh, you know, there's nothing quite like 
turning narcissistic dictators into decent human beings. Like that is a, that's a hardcore character building exercise, you know? (laughs) So, you know, I create the environment where other human beings thrive and grow. It's supremely self-sacrificial because it's not about me at all. And it's not glamorous and people do not sign up to die to self, you know, like, you just turn on the news and have that confirmed, you know, or don't do that actually. <laughs> At least not without a glass of wine in hand. Yeah. It's, it's self-sacrificial, but it's, it's, it's this process of losing yourself and finding yourself, right? That there's this cyclical process that it's not just losing yourself and that's the end, sacrificing yourself and that's the end. It's emptying yourself so that you can become more yourself, right? Which is just the essence of Christian life. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I love how, yeah, there is sacrifice, but there's also discovery. And I think that's, I think the piece that's missing when we ask women who stay at home, things like, oh, you just stay at home with an emphasis on the just, or, well, what does your day look like? As if like, it's just filled with nothingness. There is this aspect of discovery. And when you miss that, that side of the coin, that, that sacrifice really doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, we look, the crucifixion without the resurrection is, is no, Absolutely. <laughs> we do. We reject that entirely. <laughs> you, you can't have death without the promise of new life again. And um, yeah, that's absolutely vital. I think the conversation, it'll be really interesting to see how it shifts going forward, especially after the lockdown. And I know a lot of places where people are listening, they mm-hmm. may still be in some season of lockdown. But I think for a long time, there was this kind of, yeah, this assumption that women who stay at home with their kids don't do anything. And I think after being locked in a house together... I think that that's the reality of, of what women who, who stay at home with their kids and what their day looks like is very much more evident or very, I think very much more appreciated, at least within conversations that I've had, you know, where, you know, I stay at home and do some work, um, about 20 hours a week, but in from home and for Joseph to be able to stay at home too and realize like, Oh, this is what it looks like. It's not as easy as it looks. It's Mm -hmm. not just sitting and playing with littles. It's, it's a lot more than that. And so I think that's been really beautiful too, to have this conversation really get opened up as to what the reality of the day by day looks like. Right. And there's, you know, we have such an opportunity. I mean, I know you're super familiar with Carrie Grass and Theology of Home. And, you know, the idea that, you know, what you do at the home, it's mundane. It's kind of mind numbing, like housework and all of, you know, changing diapers. Like these are not, you know, intellectual endeavors. And these do not kind of, you know, uplift you as a human being. But when you imbue them with this deeper meaning and this deeper understanding that, I'm making the bed to create a beautiful home, to create order so that, you know, the the kind of natural but, you know, not bad chaos of of growing up and figuring out who you are can happen, that I create this stable backdrop against which my family can operate, you know, and grow and develop as they need to. Talk to me about what it looked like for you after you discerned to stay at home and you transitioned to being a stay-at-home mom, what did it look like for establishing a routine, especially from going from a work environment to a stay-at-home environment? What did that look like for you as you started staying at home with your littles? <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the million-dollar question. I'm asking this very selfishly so I can know exactly what to do. <laughs> right? No, let me tell you something. There is nothing like going from being in a high-power, frenetic world where you're getting dressed up every day and you have this positive feedback every day, and then suddenly 
you're at home with toddlers who didn't give two flips if you got out of your PJs that day, <laughs> and you're your own boss. Yes. You call the shots. No one cares if the plans that you coined in your head that morning totally fall apart. You know, I mean, like you are the one who is having to be the driving force for this. And it was a jarring transition. Um, so I, I first had to start with why. You know, why do I need a routine? Why is that important? And what I realized was the answer is rooted in my own basic dignity as a human being. You know, I needed to create routine and rhythm and have goals and things to accomplish to affirm that dignity so that I could then be the best wife and mother that I could be. Um, you know, and there's, there's three basic virtues that I think every mom, stay-at-home mom or not, like absolutely have to have. And they are flexibility, adaptability, and perseverance. <laughs> because kids kids throw curveballs it's just what they do you know and you can let that eat away at you or you can see it coming and hit a home run you know it's a choice not just a circumstance um so while you may have wanted to go to the park by 10 a.m there may be a million reasons why that doesn't happen and at that point it can be so easy to throw in the towel and say Screw it all. But, you know, that's when you go back to your why and you persevere and you say, you know what, tomorrow's another day. Today may not have been great, but I'm going to try again tomorrow because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, one bad day does not a whole life make. Right. So, you know, having having that that fortitude to kind of push through and to keep going, even when it seems pointless. It's crucial. I love that you're talking about too, that going from an environment where you are affirmed for what you do versus going mm -hmm. into an environment as a stay at home mom where kids are not the greatest at words of affirmation, not one of their talents. No. Um, God bless them. <laughs> right. uh, but then also then you have the stereotypes of being a stay at home mom that you're kind of fighting against mm -hmm. from the culture. And man, I just think, especially for women who words of affirmation is the way that they receive love, that that has got to yep. be so challenging. Um, yeah, that's just really, yeah. Yeah, one of the best things that I heard, the, a former coworker of mine who actually, she was a stay-at-home mom for a while. She she was working. I think she's like a lawyer, you know, but she stayed at home with her three kids, and then she was re-entering the workforce right before I was leaving. Um, and she told me the best thing. She said, you have to redefine how you get paid. And I loved that so much because, you know, you're not paid in raises or words of affirmation or health benefits, right? But you're paid in, you know, your child finally understanding a task that you've been working on for, you know, weeks. You know, they give you a smile. Um, you know, my daughter, she, she's just got the most beautiful personality and she is so sweet and outgoing and affectionate she comes up to me all the time and gives me hugs and says, I love you, mommy. Um, and that's, you know, partially because she's imitating me because I say that to her kind of off the cuff frequently. And she's able to give that love back because I've put it into her first, you know, and she, you know, so you kind of, you know, you have to rethink how you get paid. Like that's my payment is to see these little people, you know, grow and learn because of, you know, the investment that I'm making in them. Yeah. It just takes a different way of, of shifting the mentality that we view things for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about the long game. Yes. Amen. <laughs> the very, very, very long game, especially during yep. nap strikes. It feels like the eternity game, but yeah. plot twist, it is the yep. eternal game. <laughs> 
There's a lot. One one day of lost sleep is not going to kill you. And the beautiful thing about sleep deprivation is it kills your memory. So <laughs> it may be bad, but you won't remember it. So everyone wins. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I love how you mentioned pajamas when we were talking about routine. One of my favorite highlights of yours on Instagram, which if you're listening and you don't follow Emily, you need to be, is you have this phenomenal series about outfits of the day and you write about mm-hmm. self-care as a stay-at-home mom can you tell me about the connections that you found between what it means to affirm your dignity as a woman we've talked about this a little bit but I'd love to dig deeper and what it means to meet the needs of your family with authentic self-care right exactly so um it really comes down to the fact that you know as women as mothers we're vessels I am a vessel in my home you know I set the tone of the home if I am mommy dearest, the house is just not going to be a good environment, you know. But if I'm June Cleaver, we're at least eating great for dinner. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> you know, like what's inside of me is what's going to come out. So if I'm full of love, I can give love. If I'm full of anger, I'm going to give anger. If I'm empty, I have nothing to give. Right. So as a vessel, it's very important that I take time and take care to ensure that what I am filled with is good. And also understanding that if I am full of anger, you know, identifying the why and then addressing that accordingly. You know, I've started kind of incorporating more frequent confession, um, which has really helped me kind of address address those issues. Um, But then if I'm empty, why am I empty and communicating with my husband about like, Hey, look, I need to go recharge and figuring out ways that I can do that um, in such a way that it's not taking away from what my family needs, but that I'm also prioritizing that self care so that I can give back what my family needs. Um, And ultimately it's, you know, you have to recognize the most important self care that we can do as Catholics is prayer you know, constantly drawing on the ultimate source of love to make up for all of my own failings. And finding that prayer routine, whatever that looks like for you, is so important. And knowing that it's going to look different for every woman. It seems it seems really daunting. I know, like, when, when I used to hear people talking about setting up a prayer routine, I was like, oh, I don't have two toddlers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, it, but I, you know... Uh, it seems daunting, but I started to understand that Satan wants you to think it's daunting so that you won't start at all. Uh, He wants your insecurities about your prayer life to paralyze you. He wants that to stop you from starting anything at all. So step number one is telling him to bug off and just start. You know, I found so much joy in just lifting up the little moments of mothering and using those moments to lift my thoughts to God as my father, you know, under like looking at my relationship with my children and understanding the correlation between me and my relationship with God as my father. Mm-hmm. It's become such a beautiful way to deepen my relationship with God in that way. And that's the essence of prayer, you know, it's just deepening the relationship. So I began there and, you know, since then I've been able to, you know, I'm starting to incorporate my rosary five days a week. Um, I never thought, thought I'd see the day where that would happen, but, <laughs> you know, here I am. It yeah. was baby steps and leaning on God through that process and letting him meet me where I was and then saying yes and pushing myself a little and letting my prayer life grow. 
and now, I mean, I'm to the point where I, I can't get through the day without, as a sane woman, without, you know, my prayer and, and coffee and wine. But <laughs> <laughs> definitely prayer, yes. <laughs> I think there's something so freeing, too, in recognizing that, okay, my prayer life looks different than it did when I was, say, in college. It looks different than it did before yeah. kids. It looks different with two kids than it looked with one. Um, it'll look yeah. different in different seasons, and that's not a bad thing, right? Like, it doesn't discount how, how exactly. good prayer was before. Before, but there's something here to lean into that wasn't there before. And I just love this reminder that you're right. Like, especially when in the little, little season, there can be a lot of monotony, but I mean, oh man, yeah. like what a beautiful constant reminder of things to offer up and then to console the Lord's heart or to just have even that, like the rhythm of your, your baby schedule to be the rhythm of your prayer life too. That's really beautiful. Right. And I know like I've seen, you know, mothers talking about how they say their rosary when they're breastfeeding and I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like, <laughs> yes. My kids are very active breastfeeders, so I could never like focus. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to emphasize what you were saying that your prayer life goes through seasons, right? Like your prayer life is a life. It's not something that you start and it's static and it stays the same over the course of your life. It changes and corresponds with your season, the seasons of your life. It's a living thing. If you're a mother and you have little kids, you are not called to the contemplative life. You know, like that's, that's just that's just not your vocation. You know, you're not a monk. You're not in a cloister convent. You are doing the work of shaping human beings. Yes, you need to pray. But like I said, like finding those little moments where you can, your interactions with your children become those moments to connect with God. Um, or contemplating like, you know, Mary was like, did you have moments like this with Jesus? You know, obviously not the tantrum, but um, <laughs> <A> lucky woman <laughs> might have to go to St. Zaley for that or somebody else. But uh, <laughs> Oh, she knows that plight very yeah. well. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah, so finding those moments where you can lift your thoughts in prayer and, and connecting with, you know, your heavenly family, um, you can absolutely do that throughout the day. So you're staying at home with your two toddlers. Tell me what you've learned about yourself since you started staying at home. And was there anything that you discovered about yourself in this cycle of of sacrifice and discovery that surprised you uh, in this season? Yeah. So it's kind of a difficult question for me because I'll I'll take the second one first. Um, what surprised me is how unequipped I feel to be mom, a mom to toddlers. Um, I've kind of realized that toddlers are just not my specialty. And I can, I can feel very insecure about that. You know, um, I, growing up, my mom used to tell me stories about how she loved watching my brother and I grow and develop. You know, she majored, I think, in home economics back when that was actually still a major um, and she took a lot of child development classes and, you know, she would tell us how fun it was to see everything she had learned in her classes come to life in my brother and I, you know, I love watching the changes in my children and I love watching them grow, but it's just, it's not natural for me to kind of get lost in playing with them. Um, and just kind of being on their level, like it was, you know, for, for my mom and, you know, some other women that I know, some other mom friends. And I mean, like, I hate to admit it, but like, there it is. Like, that's my, that was kind of surprising for me. 
because um, you know I think we have this assumption you know they're my children I should just love them at every point of their life and just be totally invested at every point in their life and it's like well no <laughs> um but you know so that's that's kind of something that I'm trying to work on as well you know just kind of enjoying those little moments but also just kind of accepting myself for who I am and just letting that be the starting point of something that I work with but yeah I think I learned that being a mother it's like it's it's truly a character building exercise like I was saying earlier it's it's self-denial on steroids. Um, you have such a high amount of accountability because like I was saying, you know, my mood sets the tone of the house. I'm shaping human beings. Who I am matters. How I treat my kids matters. How they see me treat their father and vice versa matters. So it's made me extremely self-aware of areas where I could definitely use some work <laughs> because I know that who I am has a dramatic impact on, you know, who my kids kind of shape up to be. Not to say that, you know, I mean, there's going to come a day where it's just on them, but, sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's so, it's so important that it, it's not so much how I raise them. It's, it's almost like how I raise myself in a way, you know, that I still have to go through this process of learning and growing and and my children are absolutely instrumental in in that process. Um, and it has not always been fun. Because uh, <laughs> like I said, like, you know, certain things when you hold that mirror up, like it's not always a pretty reflection. Um, but that is that is kind of a grace that, you know, seeing that reflection gives you the opportunity once you identify it. You're like, okay, now that I got over the shock of seeing that, I can, I can address it and I can, you know, not just put on makeup, but actually like dig in and, and, and really make that reflection better. Um, it's, it's been, it's been a, a good, beautiful, but very difficult process. <laughs> I love though, that you're sharing about seasons that are harder than others or that don't come as naturally as others. I think that's such a relief to hear as another mother to hear you say that because especially because motherhood is so seasonal right like we only have little yep. babies for such a small season and then we have toddlers mm-hmm. and then they grow up and then eventually they're teenagers and I have friends who love the teenage years with their kids and I have friends who don't feel naturally equipped for that that season and I think yeah. there's such a beauty yeah and in being able to admit that I don't know I I I love the season that Maeve's in now, but man, I really was thriving in, when she was tiny. And then dang it, as soon as I got it, yeah. she's done. <laughs> she's done being tiny. She's on to the next thing. Man. <laughs> and I think that's such a I challenge. Know. It's such a challenge of motherhood. Yeah. Because they're changing so rapidly too. Like you said, like as soon as you get the hang of one season, they're on to the next. Ooh, and you're like, gone. wait a minute, wait a minute. I just wait, got it down. You're good. <laughs> And then too, yeah. with like right when you add in the, uh, like each child that you have goes through those seasons differently. And then what you had down for the first will not, you will not have down for the second because they're a different kid. Man, right. it's like this constant season of humility, which you've spoken into. Right. Oh man. Like, like I said, I mean, it's, yeah, you're like, you're constantly like shaping other human beings. Just like it, it brings you to this whole level, new level of self-awareness. Like you have never known before. Mm-hmm. And it can be jarring, but it's just like, you know, that's why I said like flexibility, adaptability, and perseverance. Like (laughs) 
You got to go with the flow. <laughs> Can I get those embroidered on a pillow or tape it down I my know, mirror right? and stare at those three words every morning as a reminder? <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, does it make a good acronym? I don't think so. Flexibility, adaptability, and pers- no, nope, no, it nope. does not make a we'll good We'll just go acronym. for the whole one. <laughs> <laughs> do not, do not embroider that acronym on a pillow. <laughs> that would be a conversation Useful starter. <laughs> Mom's gone wild. Anyway. Speaking of motherhood. (laughs) So some women who are listening are like, preach. I know exactly what that's like. Other women who are listening to this episode might have clicked play because they are in that season of discernment about trying to figure out what the Lord wants for them, how they can best serve their vocation and their family, and whether staying at home is part of that. If someone is in that boat, what what advice Mm -hmm. would you give her? Yeah, look for that interior peace. You know, that that to me is just a litmus test of, you know, where God is calling you. Um, if it feels crazy, fine. That's that don't let that be your litmus test. Find that interior peace. You know, it was it was crazy for us for me to quit by kind of outside standards because we were living right outside of DC, which is notoriously one of the most expensive areas of the country. Uh, we were living in an apartment and my husband, you know, he was, he was making enough money, but like, we were not living large. Um, we were, we were making the bills every month and thank God for that. Um, but look for that interior peace, even if it feels like a crazy decision, you know, that, that interior calm is like, that's your best guide. If people are wanting to dig in deeper. And especially to the stay-at-home mom series that we were talking about, but also all of the so, so many phenomenal resources that you have um, on your blog. Where can people find you online? Yeah, so I am at TotalWine.com, and it's W-H-I-N-E. So Jesus made it. My kids do it. I drink it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So TotalWine.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook through that website. As you mentioned, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram, particularly about um, NFP and fertility awareness. Do a lot, like host a lot of Q&As and whatnot on Instagram in particular. I do have a Pinterest, but I don't do much there. So Instagram is really like my home base. Yes. So Amen. That's one of my favorite social media. It's my app of choice. Yes. Yes. So last question. This is the one that I ask all the women who come on to have a conversation as we explore what it means to live the feminine genius. So Emily, how do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life as a mom who stays at home with her kids? Yeah. So one of the biggest lies that we hear is that staying home is going to, you know, ruin your plans, ruin your life. It's, it's going to shrink your world and make it, you know, unimportant. And it's so important to understand that staying home with your kids is not a death sentence of your life or of your ability to grow and learn and develop your gifts and talents beyond mothering. Mm -hmm. Staying home absolutely closes doors, but that doesn't mean it's not going to open other ones, doors that will, you know, surprise you. Um, 
I mean, look, I'll, I'll just be honest. Like, I love the stage, and I love writing. Like, this goes way back. Um, one of these days, I'm going to have to pull out, you know, my um, videos of when I was three years old and doing my <laughs> dance recitals. A stage was mine. Um, like, I've always loved it, um, and I've always known, I've always felt called, you know, that God wants to use me, like, in a public way someday. So you'd think that me staying home is like, well, isn't that counterintuitive? And the truth is, closing the door on my career in D.C. and staying home with my kids has made it possible for me to pursue precisely what God wants me to do. I was actually more limited in the workforce than I am here at home because I am my own boss. I'm in charge of my own time. I'm not beholden to an organization or to a paycheck. I am only beholden to God and my family. And so ironically, I've actually found infinitely more freedom after shrinking my world, not less. So I just want to encourage moms, you know, don't believe the lie that staying home is going to limit you or crush your dreams. It's going to open up whole new worlds and it's going to make, you know, your family will be part of that dream, not an inhibitor to it. It will give it fuel, it will give it grounding, and it will give it a depth and a beauty, you know, that you would not get otherwise. Yeah, it reminds me in discernment about how when you say yes to one thing, you inevitably are going to say no to other things, but how much freedom is in that yes. And I just love, yeah, like the creativity and, and being able to, yeah, become and and sacrifice and discover who you are in that environment is just absolutely beautiful. Don't, don't limit God, man. He can, he can do anything with nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Emily, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I have loved chatting with you. This has been a delight. Me too. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Head over to my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com, and you'll find the links to everything we mentioned in today's episode, including links to Emily's fantastic blog, Total Wine. If you've ever wanted to learn more about staying at home as a mom or taking care of yourself or learning more about your fertility as a woman, this is the blog for you. If you have a spare minute, it would mean the world to me if you'd rate and review Letters to Women over in iTunes. I love reading your thoughts and reviews help other women discover our conversations on The Feminine Genius. And if you know a friend who would love this episode, can you send it her way? Also, on a personal note, Joseph and I found out that we're expecting another little baby and we're due in March. And if you could keep us and the littlest linger in your prayers, we would be so, so thankful. We are praying to St. Charbel, specifically during this pregnancy. He was an incredibly holy priest and monk from Lebanon. And you can check out the show notes for a link to the prayer that I've been praying for his intercession. Letters to Women is not going anywhere. I will keep you updated on how this pregnancy is going and how it will impact how quickly episodes come out. But as of right now, it's still business as usual with a new episode of Letters to Women out every other Monday. Keep an eye out for the next episode. It's a conversation about the history behind our workaholic culture as Americans and what that means for Catholic women and how it impacts everything down to the way we dress. That is all I have for this week's episode. There are so many amazing conversations that I have recorded for you this fall, so make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be not afraid.